1: You know, you were just taken over by a ghost. That's taken over. Uh, This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. Hi. And I am Sabrina. And two episodes ago, I promised I gave a cliffhanger. Yes, you did. And I said I'd give a ghost story. So I shared this on Campfire Stories, I think a week ago, now probably a month ago, when this episode actually comes out. But I had a friend over. Her name's Tyler and she has a 10-month-old Harlow. She's a 10-month-old baby. She's so cute. And Harlow loves dogs. Loves. Of course, babies love animals. She can say mom, dad, dog, and no. Those are her four words, but she very much like understands what a dog is. When she met Leia, she didn't like Tyler said dog and Harlow said no. Like she just she understood. Okay. And she has a dog at home. Harvey and she loves Harvey. Harvey's not so sure about her. (laughs) But a couple weeks ago, now by the time I'm telling this story, Tyler's family dog, Milo, passed away. Mm. And almost immediately, Harlow started pointing to like random places in the house saying, dog, dog. And both Tyler and Kyle would be like, no, there's no dog. And she would just keep saying, dog. And then she would like point to the ceiling, like the corners and say, dog, dog. And Tyler was like, that's so weird and so unlike her. Yeah. And she didn't put it together until she was with me. She was like, oh my gosh, my family dog just passed away. And this all started, like she started pointing in places and saying dog right after Milo passed away. So she very much believes that Harlow is seeing the spirit of her family dog.
2: Oh, that makes me. I'm you've, yes, I've heard this before but it it's still just
1: like it's so cute.
2: Hurts your heart a little bit in the best way because it's lovely to think that the dog is just sticking around because the dog loves their baby so much and just wants to be at home. And it sounds like Tyler and her husband would never know like there's no other signs so they would never know had it not been for
1: their baby saying dog dog. Yeah.
2: They wouldn't know that their dog is there
1: hanging out. No idea. Wow. How precious. So I have a friend with a haunted child, a creepy kid, and I cannot wait for the, (laughs) for the developments that are to come. Yeah. Wait, update us.
2: This is, uh, you know how people,
1: Sabrina, business idea for us. What?
2: Where's the scroll? You literally bought it. I have it. Hold on. Get the scroll. Get the business scroll. (laughs) Here we go. Okay. It was, it was only a matter of time before another business idea popped into our head. Okay. What's the idea? baby books, baby development books, but instead of like baby's first word, baby's age when getting their first haircut, it is all spooky stuff. It's like basically a diary to chronicle all the weird shit your kid sees and says. I love it. Right. I feel like, I feel like there's a market for that.
1: There's a great market for that. I almost thought you were going to say like an alphabet book, but instead of like A is for apple, it's like D is for demon. Raise How to raise a creepy kid with two girls, one ghost. I'm not promoting that. I'm anti Ouija boards for four-year-olds, so.
2: Yeah, but we are pro-creepy kid, creepy kid if they are creepy. Let them be creepy. Right. I think the difference is I'm thinking of like we're teaching them to be creepy versus
1: they're already creepy, you know? I mean, I inevitably, you and I will teach our kids to be creepy by being ourselves.
2: Because if they're like, oh, what's that, mom? I'll be like, probably a ghost. Describe it to me. Yeah. Did you see a claw coming out from the from your closet? Oh no! Oh, now you're gonna have nightmares. Oops. <laughs> My bad. Oh
1: no! Did I just terrify you? Oh, so sorry. <laughs> Mommy loves. They probably monsters. come from under the bed. You're now gonna <laughs> sleep with me every single night until you're 12 years old. Okay. Welcome. Thank you. Ah, I did this to it myself. Didn't happen.
2: You know, for some of us, it's it's benign movies like ET that scars us, and not the actual ghosts in our house. So. You know, kids' reactions are unpredictable. You never really know. But we we do love a creepy kid. We love all of the stories that people experience. Not ghost-related, but I had one thing that I wanted to sh- tell you about and show you. And this is basically, this is if people found themselves on Nantucket Island. This is a stop that I think could be considered spooky-ish. It is the Nantucket House Antiques. This was the best antique store I have ever been did you get anything? No, because most things were like $20,000. Okay. It was a browse and hold my hands clasped together right in front of my chest so that I don't, don't accidentally touch or bump anything sort of place. But I took pictures and videos and I talked to the woman who was working there briefly. Um, and it was so incredible because this was, this was the only antique store I've ever been in that one, had an amazing catalog of items, but two wrote down what every single item was. And it wasn't just like a captain's log from a ship. It was like in 1889, Sir Captain whatever wrote this. It was passed on in uh, 1899 to this person and remained in the hands of so-and-so until 1937. And like it had backstory for everything, which was so incredible. That is so cool. It was, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like a little history crack
1: and right because then if you do bring home a haunted antique then you know what the story is and how to like address and talk to communicate to the spirit
2: absolutely and one of the there were two standout things for me personally that i got really jazzed about one was a narwhal tusk it was 72 inches long and it was brought back by a whaler over 100 years ago So if you want to buy this narwhal tusk, that's over a hundred years old.
1: How much was it?
2: You can buy it for $22,000. And then another thing that I absolutely loved, they had these two outfits, these roaring 20s outfits, swimsuits. I love the old swimsuits. Well, they're made of wool. And so like they could not be more uncomfortable. That's what they were made of back then. So, like vintage swimsuits, you don't actually ever want to wear them.
1: No, no, no. There
2: was a a woman swimsuit and a man swimsuit, and they were framed together. They're fourteen hundred dollars each, but it descended from a local family. So it was like literally swimsuits from people that I believe wore them on Nantucket a hundred plus years ago. Incredible. So just for the for the uh, window shopping piece of shopping, unless. Unless you are in the market to collect a billionaire goods like that, and yeah, have the have the funds or the clients who who want something like that, it's definitely more of a browse. But I was like, this is literally the coolest place ever, and I wish I could live in here. It was
1: awesome. You know what would be cool is if like people paid you and I to go find like haunted antiques for them.
2: Well, how would we know they
1: were haunted? We would use our guts, and we would <laughs> work on our skills of paranormal connection to harness the powers that be to stay in tune. I think that's an interesting, that's an interesting idea. I think if I had the ability
2: to immediately gut sense a haunted item, an object, just like willy nilly out in the world, then I'd only be okay with having a business like that if I carried around like a FedEx box with me. So I don't actually bring the item back to my own house before shipping it off to someone. Because what if the thing is like, I was attached to this old doorknob for the past 300 years, but I don't know. Your doorknob looks a lot nicer. And then they decide to stay.
1: Your body, your body looks like a much warmer vessel. Yeah, then you get possessed. I'm going to rub. It's the demise of two girls, one ghost. That's been happening for six years, to be honest. We've slowly been taken over by the spirit realm. I am no longer Sabrina. (laughs) (laughs) The creepiest. (laughs) I have been operating a little bit on impulse lately. I bought myself a really nice gift. Ooh. A birthday gift? a birthday gift. To be fair, I had been eyeing it for a really long time. And so I bought it for myself. And I hope I get it before we go on tour. What is it? It's a really pretty ring. And I'm not like a big jewelry person, but it's really pretty. I'll send you a picture of it. And hopefully I have it when we're on tour. Okay. I have a woe of an episode and it's a long one. Ooh, okay. I'm ready. So I'm going to begin. I wrote a story. The following story is inspired by true events. And I'm imagining the SVU. Down because I've been watching SBU quite a bit. <laughs> okay. Angela loved all things horror. She couldn't quite remember how it started or what her gateway scare was, but she knew she loved to be terrified. She noticed she was different in elementary school. She remembers sitting with her classmates at a slumber party. They were painting their nails this horrendous neon green color, and she was utterly and painfully bored. She felt numb and wondered, Perhaps something was wrong with her. Why didn't she care who Leonardo DiCaprio, the titanic heartthrob, was dating? (laughs) Why didn't she want to prank call the cutest boy in class and ask if his refrigerator was running? Why was she instead preoccupied by the thoughts of an intruder breaking into the home and attacking all of her friends and feeling the adrenaline of fight or flight? Why did she so badly want to experience such a horrific thing? Uh, girl, it's called intrusive thoughts. (laughs) Anxiety. (laughs) But at the same time, she thought, you know what? That would be a lot less horrific than painting my nails this disgusting color. As she grew up, Angela continued to have similar thoughts. She pulled away from this group of friends that engaged in what she called basic bitch things and dove deeper into the horror scene. She spent her days watching horror films, starting out with Hitchcock, The cinematic stuff like The Birds, Vertigo, Rear Window, Psycho. But those movies started to grow dull. Then she found the paranormal horror scene, Poltergeist, Blair Witch. These sparked a new kind of thrill in Angela's life. But it too was fleeting. Angela wanted to feel real fear. Something about it made her feel alive. It made her feel. As she was getting older, she realized that there was something a bit different about her. Something that was unlike her peers. She had a very high tolerance for pain, both mentally, physically, and emotionally. Perhaps that's why she always had this numbness, the disconnect from feeling grounded in reality. But when she watched scary movies, when she was startled or surprised or shocked, she could feel. She spent night after night consuming horror, thrills, terrors. When the oldies grew predictable, she turned to the new stuff. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, House of Wax. She couldn't put it into words, but she enjoyed the way she felt. She began to watch slashers, the gory, bloody stuff. She liked the movies where pain was inflicted upon people. The Saw series was one of her favorites. She would picture herself in those situations and see herself sticking her arms into a vessel filled with needles, blood being leaded and drained from her body. She could imagine herself on the cusp of death, And in those internal imaginative moments, imagining being that close to death, she felt more alive than ever. Angela chased this feeling. She desired it deeply, yearned to feel it, and became a bit of an adrenaline junkie, seeking danger and thrill where she could. But adrenaline seeking didn't make money. So between consuming and absorbing the things that most people don't even know exist on the internet and watching slashers over and over, Angela got a job at a bank. She made money, bought a house, made a living, but really never felt like she was living. Angela thrived in the fall. September and October were her favorite. She would save her earnings and plan trips every year to various places in the States. She'd research haunted houses and haunted attractions and plan trips to them each fall. Occasionally, she'd find groups of people online who enjoyed these things as well, and she would go and get scared with these people. But there was always one problem. Despite being momentarily thrilled, provided by these haunted houses where people in costumes yielding chainsaws jumped out at you and tried their best to terrify her, Angela knew that they couldn't actually hurt her. It was just simulated fear. That's it. Not real. But she wanted it to feel real. Then, in the early 2000s, while Angela was browsing the internet with her usual 10 plus tabs open on various sites like Reddit, YouTube, and horror sites, she was presented with a video that changed her life. This video was like a movie trailer, but it advertised something that she had never heard of before. Over staticky, horrific imagery of a bloody man in a strange contraption, seemingly screaming for help, a voice asked,
2: Do you have a taste?
1: Text came onto screen. What you are about to see is real, true audience reactions. Time slowed. She could feel her heart start to beat faster. A one of a kind experience. She was flooded with images of people in absolute terror. It was an advertisement for a haunted experience unlike any other, a four to seven hour tour called McKamey Manor. And it ended with, do you dare? The video was short, too short. Angela watched it again and again and again. It was as if it was served to her for a purpose, her purpose, the purpose she had been looking for all her life. She was being called to it and she had to know more. No, no, not that. She needed to experience it. Angela followed links to a webpage for McCamey Manor. She followed it on Facebook. She asked about it on Reddit. And then she decided to contact the owner, Russ McCamey. And within a week, Angela was in San Diego. There were quite a few rules, but the admission price was one bag of dog food. She arrived in a parking lot and was told that for the next eight hours... Angela was at the will of Russ and his staff. This was like no haunted house or maze she had ever done before, and she had done them all. This is what she had been searching for her whole life. She wanted to be afraid for her life, and that she was. She stepped inside McKamey Manor, and finally, she experienced what she had wanted and wished for all those years ago while painting her nails a neon green with a bunch of girls at a slumber party. She had wished for someone to attack them, and that she would have to fight for her life. Well, she no longer needed to wish for that feeling. McKamey Manor served it to her on a platter. That day, Angela came inches from death. She greeted it. And for the first time in her life, Angela felt alive. This is the story of McKamey Manor, a real-life haunted house, a very, very real, very disturbing haunted house attraction that has pioneered what is called Extreme survivor horror haunted attractions
2: oh my god this episode's about to
1: be fucked up <laughs> Jeez. oh yeah super fucked up wow okay mm-hmm. and that is why i wore a hot pink shirt and i'm gonna say barbie- it all with a big smile because this, this barbie, barbie loves-, loves to be terrified <laughs> this barbie's job is haunted house <laughs> um yes Okay, a couple of disclaimers. So, the story that I just read, I wrote, it's fictional. It is inspired by, so, I watched quite a bit of videos about McCammy Manor. I watched videos of people who themselves endured the home, the haunted house attraction, whatever you want to call it. It is so strange and disturbing. I do not understand it. My personal opinions of the house are that it is a very, very fine line between. Um, No, there's no fine line. It is basically legal torture. A man has found a way to perform legal torture. Jeez! But at the same time, I fully acknowledge that there are contracts that are signed between people and people willingly want to do this. So my judgments are my own and my opinions are my own. Whatever you like to do, go for it. If this is something that you like to do, I have no judgment. We're all a little bit weird. So do what you like. I just hope that you're okay, is all I will say. It just, I almost have a more
2: understanding of the people going into the house because there is some some part of a lot of people that, that feels like, oh, I'll survive, I won't be scared. It's like a little bit of ego and, and confidence in yourself. What concerns me most is who was working there? Who is time after time, person after person
1: doing what I think you're about to tell me they're doing? Yeah. I have a lot of questions and concerns about the operations of this place. And yeah, I am I psychologically would love to do an experiment on all of these people and just study, like a study. Like I just am so, it is so concerning, but also like intriguing in terms of like, right. what are we? Like humans are fucked up. Well, and not to be super dark, but I feel like
2: what we're about to learn, there are things that happen like that that happen with certain groups way more often than we know. And this is just one that is public facing where anyone can basically become a customer or whatever. So it's shocking for us to hear, but there's, there are a lot of people that are interested in that as, as wrong as we feel it is, which I'll I'll raise my hand and say, I think is wrong. I don't think, yeah, someone should torture or be tortured, even if there's an agreement and they're paying money back and forth. That is, I'm
1: out. I'm out on that one. Right. Our personal opinions, right? And but but there are twenty seven thousand people on the wait list for this place, so there are people, and, and I do say from a standpoint, kind of like you were saying. And there's just so much that we can divulge into discussion about on this one because it is. Sentence after sentence, it's a bit like, what the fuck did I just say? So we'll get into a lot of it. But there, you know, I do more so understand someone who's like, like an Angela, who's like a thrill seeker who, um, and while Angela is fictional, it is inspired by a lot of the videos and stuff that I watched and the people, types of people who I witnessed having videos who did choose to go to McAmy Manor. So I understand that there are people who who want to test themselves and push themselves and see how far they can go. And there's this like tauntingness of it of like, oh, no one else can make it through this. Can you do it?
2: Might I pitch that whoever wants to go to this house first, you sign up for that one company that basically chases you and gives you, I think they give you like one hour notice or something. You have to sign up and sign a bunch of waivers and pay a bunch of money, but they'll give you like one hour notice that you are about to be tracked and kidnapped. And you basically like, I think the whole U S is your playground and they will come and they have legal documents. So if, if the cops come or if someone calls it in, they can be like, Oh no, we legally like, this is, this is part of it. But like, they will try to hunt you down and you are on the run. I feel like that is the first thing you should do or not, e- maybe not even the first thing, but it's something that should precede this house.
1: Yeah. Or I don't know, just go to like the Haunted Mansion at Disney or watch a couple scary movies with us. I don't know. Listen to Dominus. Play with a Ouija board. Though huh. <laughs> so I recommend all of those before this. Yes. Not that they're okay. firm
2: recommendations, any of them, really.
1: No, no, no. They are worst case scenarios, except for listening to our podcast. Do that all the time. <laughs> um Okay. So I would argue that this falls closer in line with self-inflicted torture than the category of a haunted house. And a couple of episodes ago, Corinne, you joked about exposure therapy or not joked. It was more like talking about it because I was complimenting you a, a bunch and you were like, ah, this is I like exposure, exposure therapy. therapy for compliments, yeah. for accepting
2: compliments. Yes.
1: Yes. So. And you need it this, for your arachnophobia. I don't need it. I'm I'm good. With <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. So this haunted house is supposed to operate like that. The man who started it was very much under the like, he advertises it as a way to face your fears. He ends up doing a lot of research about you and like plans the tour you're about to go through for you to face your fears, which is terrifying. Wow. So for years... We have heard, you know, the urban legends kind of the place that you were just talking about, Corinne, like where you have to sign contracts before entering or the haunted houses where people can touch you and scream at you and physically interact with you. They're the places that make you sign an agreement and get approval from work, family, and friends that all understand that you will be kidnapped at any given moment and taken to undisclosed location where you will be then submitted to a series of horrific experiences. The horrors. All of it, which is in the vein of... Testing yourself or whatnot, but chosen willingly, I would never do it. me neither. I mean, I pee myself, just going to horror nights. so like i and and but at the same time, I do enjoy being frightened in those moments.
2: Wait, do you think a room for you would be? now, I'm thinking of like the different levels of of a haunted house, like each room is facing your fear. I feel like, <laughs> one of them for you could be you're trying to make it home when you have to go to the bathroom so bad and you f- you have to pull over you find a spot so somehow there's some simulation and you find a spot and just as you're you're starting to do what you have to do a spotlight goes on you and all of the walls become glass and there's people behind them and they're all laughing at you and pointing and
1: taking pictures and saying look at what she's doing But see, Corinne, that wouldn't scare me because I would do that. If I have to go, I have to go and I'm not embarrassed by it. Oh,
2: oh, okay. Well, that would be maybe a room for me then.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So there are a lot of people who seek these thrills. So many, in fact, that since the 2000s, more and more extreme haunts have been popping up. I'm going to talk about one of the most infamous and also very controversial experiences out there. And that is... McKamey Manor. So like I said, Angela's story is not a real story, but a fictional story I wrote based on the research I did and the various stories of the real life people who've gone through McKamey Manor. I do not personally understand why anyone willingly put themselves through this. It's not something I would ever do. I also disagree with many of the tactics and violence used in this house. But again, like I said, that's my personal preference. The people who do so, who do go through McKamey Manor do so on their own accord. No one's forcing them to do it. Um there have been countless lawsuits and criticisms but I don't think McKamey Manor has ever been found guilty of any crimes. Hmm. For all intents and purposes, McKamey Manor is perfectly legal, above board and a operating business.
2: I know that there were a lot of pushes to and like petitions to shut this house down and other houses that are similar to it because I remember that being a really big thing last October
1: and probably the october before before then when everyone starts thinking of these things there was like 170,000 signatures on change.org to shut this one down the one that's in Tennessee in Nashville wow it's still operating as far as i know
2: do you know what the lawsuits were about like what can someone i was trying to look yeah cuz i'm curious cuz i assume the waiver and, and the and the contract they sign is so incredibly extensive to protect them for from what they're about to do to someone else. So I'm curious what sort of loopholes or what people are trying to sue them for that wouldn't have already been covered legally in whatever waiver they have.
1: Well, I mean, it's like the idea of you can give consent to something, but then change your mind. And but unfortunately, when you sign a contract, a legal contract like that, it is bound. And there's a lot of controversy. This is the hard thing is like, Basically, it's one thing to be like, okay, you're telling me I'm going to go through this and you can do these things to me. Great. But like, I'm not going to die. I'll be fine. And then once you are enduring the experience for you mentally and psychologically to completely change your opinion on that, because you're not fine. It's so easy to like, when you're not, when you're not under duress, when you're not in pain, you're not being tortured to be like, yeah, yeah, I could totally do this. Right. Right. Well, and then I guess there's probably PTSD and and stuff that comes from it, exactly. I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. And we are going to go through the waiver I was able to find. It's the one that I was able to find was 23 pages. It's online. There's so much contradictory language in it. So I imagine that people would want to like pick it apart after the fact if they do have such a terrible psychological reaction to it, which I can't imagine that people don't. So gosh, this place is so scary. It has never been found guilty of any of these crimes. There are, if you want to look up some of the lawsuits, it was hard to find because there's just so much when you search McCaymie Manor, like if you're just inundated with articles about the house. It's not there are some people who are like, oh, I went through it and they did this, this, and this. They also videotape every moment of your experience. So they do kind of have control. They could also edit things, you know, like they could cut things out and say like, look, nothing bad happened. They just have control of the whole thing. And the only way to know what happens behind closed doors is if you go through it, I guess. Yeah. We need one of those.
2: I'm not sure if they exist or if I'm just thinking of like spy movies right now, but or maybe (laughs) they're on their way, but like a contact lens that has the ability to film as well, or like something hidden on your body, because I'm sure you're not allowed to bring in a cell phone or any recording device. No, you can't bring anything. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking of like, could you, could you somehow do something like this? And then even if it's something like, I, I'm thinking you have to put it somewhere where they can't take it off your body. Like, so like multiple, you need, need multiple. Cause if they strip you down and it's attached to your clothes, you need a little, some areola colored sticker pointed forward and also filming i'm trying to figure out a way for us to get evidence of what they're doing beyond what they themselves are filming and controlling and potentially editing
1: here's what i will say though corinne is if you watch it watch two seconds of a youtube video on their youtube channel it is enough for you to be like holy shit this is horrific it it truly is bordering porn like it's violent porn pornography it's so so disturbing no thank you Again, personal opinion. But anyway, so history of McCamey Manor. It was started in San Diego. And based on trademark records, it looks like it was trademarked in 2003 or 2004. There's not a lot known about Russ McKamey because when you search his name, you're just inundated with McCamey Manor articles specifically. What I was able to find out is Russ McCamey is from Fullerton, California. He is a self-proclaimed entertainer. He's a filmmaker and loves to entertain. He majored in theater. I couldn't figure out where he went to school. But after graduating, he joined the Navy and he served for 23 years. He then spent 13 years as a veteran's advocate, but recently lost his job due to downsizing. He was also a wedding singer at a point, and he's a huge advocate for like fostering, adopting dogs, which is why Admittance is a bag of dog food. This is all just so confusing because he's
2: even like his work with veterans and stuff, like he's clearly aware of the psychological trauma and how that affects people and their lives moving forward. He cares for animals. He sings at people's most joyous day of their lives. And then to counteract all that good, he sets up a basically torture house. Yep. And he has kids. It's so
1: confusing, and he has kids, and he set up this house in his backyard. So there was a video that I watched. He has three kids, I think, under the age of ten, and or this was back in a video that I watched from like mid two thousand. So I don't know how old they are now, but they seem to like know that they like made a joke. One of the little girls was like, "My dad tortures people," which is um which is a bit questionable. Um, I hope everything's okay there.
2: Yeah, if you're listening to this and you are his child, reach out. We would love to hear what your we would love to hear. perspective yeah. is on all of this.
1: I mean, it makes me think of Madison Heinzen a little bit, like her growing up in The Conjuring House. Her and her brother, yeah,
2: moving to The Conjuring House. The show is already happening, so I guess I can, I can say this part, but we did learn that... The son doesn't love to spend all that much time at The Conjuring House. Oh, he like moved out immediately. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But Madison live streams from there all the time. So clearly she felt comfortable, but it is kind of like an odd thing where it's like your parents have a profession that's so incredibly different from what a lot of other people at school and around you experience, like to have ghost hunting or, or ghost collectors (laughs) essentially as your parents (laughs) I mean, fascinating. I would,
1: I'd love to experience that. Little Stephen Kings in the making, I guess. Little Stephen Kings. But so, Russ has always loved haunted attractions. Apparently, so this is an interview I read with Fast Company. It was online. Um, Russ said that it all began when he was a little kid. He would be trick or treating, and he saw somebody who built a cool little cardboard set maze in their backyard, and Russ thought it was the coolest thing he would ever seen. After that, he became obsessed with making his own and would even build them wherever he could while serving in the Navy, including on a ship out at sea. So he, his whole life, liked putting these things together and liked to entertain and scare people. It then evolved into what is a very controversial haunted house slash survival horror experience, McKamey Manor. It started in his very own backyard in San Diego. It became so popular that there is reportedly a waiting list of over 24,000 people. Over the years, the qualifications and admittance have varied, but I'm basically going to share a compilation of what I know and have gathered. It's very hard to find like a clear, concise list of what it is today. There are some things listed on their website. The only way to have access to the current waiver, I think, is actually going and doing the tour. So... I found an old waiver, which we are going to uh, digest, redline okay. a bit.
2: This is the closest we'll ever get to the house, is the this oh, waiver.
1: Definitely. Yes. So what the heck is an extreme haunted attraction survival horror challenge, aside from a lot of words put into a sentence? Well, Russ likes to say it's a game, a performance, and an experience. I usually associate games with fun, and this instills terror. The tour is anywhere from 8 to 10 hours long. Visitors must sign a 40-plus page waiver before entry and in doing so are agreeing to the following. During the tour, employees of the manor may physically assault patrons, waterboard them, force them to eat, drink, unknown substances, have them bound and gagged, and engage in other forms of physical and psychological torture. And yet, even though this is a sentence that exists, Russ claims that the manor is not a torture chamber, and I'm going to get into more details in the waiver in a second, but I feel like those couple of sentences gives you a pretty good idea of the contradictory nature and the violence involved at McKamey Manor. And if you don't get it yet, truly, I don't advise this, but if you, and I also feel like that paints a pretty good picture of what the house is like. If you search McKamey Manor on YouTube, they have, you can watch Every person who's ever gone through the tour, you can watch videos of their experiences. They, on their website, I'm pretty sure, live stream it. You truly c- can watch two seconds and you will have an understanding of this home. Wait, they live stream it? I think there's, yeah, I think on Facebook, if you're part of the Facebook group, they live stream. Makes me feel sick. It's like getting access to the dark web. web but it's on this side. That is what's so hard is that it does feel like there should be so many protections against this, but because people are agreeing to it, it's legal. Mm. McCamie Manor started in San Diego, but Russ has since relocated. And at one point there were multiple locations. I think now there's just two, one in Nashville, Tennessee, and one in Huntsville, Alabama. In order to participate, beyond getting to the top of the waiting list, visitors must meet the following requirements. There's seven. The first one, and these are listed on the website, you must be 21 or older or 18 to 20 with parents' impro- parents' approval. You must complete a sports physical and have a letter from a doctor that states you are physically and mentally cleared, which I appreciate that. Yeah. You don't want anyone having a heart attack or something. Which they did have someone have a heart attack. No one's died, but someone did have a heart attack. Three, you must pass a background check that is provided by the manor. Four, you must be screened via Facebook, FaceTime, and or a phone call. There was one video of a woman who just like inquired about it to learn more. And they asked her to submit a two minute long video that told them about her. And I guess Russ is looking for interesting personalities. Like it's almost like he is creating a reality TV show. It's like Survivor, but way darker. Yes. You must provide proof of medical insurance and six, sign a detailed 40 page waiver. Seven, pass a portable drug test on the day of the show. They call it a show and you are part of it. Once you have met and completed these requirements, admission is a $100 deposit, which will be returned when you start the tour, basically. So it's just to hold your spot because there is such a long wait list. And then the only real fee is to get in is a bag of dog food, which they donate to local shelters that Russ works with. So, in at least, there's one positive thing here. <laughs>
2: I wonder how the how the local shelters feel about all of this. I'm sure they appreciate getting all of the the dog food and the help,
1: but I do wonder what what they think. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird way to get a donation. <laughs> Based on a couple of videos I watched before I could no longer stomach it, um, participants are told to arrive at a parking lot. Once they are there, they are met by one of the manor employees and their experience begins. They're basically kidnapped at this parking lot, they communicate with the local police and say, hey, the show's starting at this time. Here's the waiver, it's all signed. We're gonna kidnap this person from the parking lot. There was one video that I watched a little bit of because I was intrigued and then I felt like I was watching something that I should not be. So I turned it off, but the participants were bound and dragged to a small stream where they were forced into the water, gagged with wet cloths, handed their contracts, and then then they had to sign it, which this was and this is one of those things that is up for debate and is so questionable about the experience because based on that video it made it seem like they don't sign the contract until it has already begun oh wait that can't how maybe it's changed but in that in that one video like the three people were tied up like wet cloths were being forced into their mouths and the contracts were being hidden like handed to them and it was like sign it and they were yelling at them Coercion. Yeah. I assume that
2: must be like a theatrical ad since he's trying to put on a show because there's no way in hell he would ever win a lawsuit if that's the way that the contract was signed initially.
1: Yes. So I'm going to send you the link to the waiver if you want to read through it with me. Okay. And... So this is a 23-page version of the waiver that I found online. It is now apparently 40 pages. And I imagine just based on any lawsuit that has been had, they've just like continued to add things to it to protect themselves. Signing the waiver, you are basically agreeing that you might die and that the manor is not liable for anything. I wanted to pull highlights from this, Corinne. And I feel like I could read all 23 pages and it is all a highlight and red flags everywhere. Oh, I'm just going to start with... A couple things that are on the first page. On the very first page, we have participant agrees that if the police are called or appear on scene, the participant acknowledges that this is just a game. Participant agrees and understands that participation in this event is both physically dangerous and could have negative impact on one's mental health. By signing this agreement, the participant expressly assumes all risk of physical, mental, or bodily harm, despite the acknowledgement of these risks should any medical emergency or otherwise treatment be required, I understand and agree and represent that I have my own medical and health insurance that includes both accidental death and disability insurance. And then in all caps, it is the intention of participant by this instrument to expressly assume all risk of such personal injury, death, property damage upon him or herself, to the exclusion of McKamey Manor and to exempt and relieve McKamey Manor and all of its actors from liability from personal injury, property damage, or wrongful death caused by negligence.
2: Okay. It, oh, that's such gray space. And this isn't even the worst. It gets worse. It's so gray when it comes to like accidental death because- because then they're like, well, but if you do die, it's your fault, unless there was negligence. But then how do you define negligence if someone is, any of these acts could be considered negligent? I, I just am so curious, like what what would the person have to do or how, how would they have had to die where someone who's torturing them
1: isn't liable, isn't at least manslaughter? Yeah, I mean, I guess fortunately no one has. Died. Yeah. So we haven't had to encounter that, but oh man, okay. But if like you're putting someone in a coffin or something
2: for like three hours of complete darkness and trapped, trapped, nailed into a coffin. Oh, that happens, uh, of course. But like that feels like if someone died of suffocation or something that that would be negligence, right? Because the place wasn't equipped for safety. It was, yeah, yeah. Right, here's the thing. Good thing we're not lawyers. And good thing we don't yeah. have anyone who experiences yeah. this because
1: this is no wild. But if you are going to do this, I'm I would make sure you have a lawyer involved to go over this with you. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna read a couple more, although I could read all 23 pages and make this a very long episode. It would be cool to actually have a lawyer come and analyze this with us.
2: Oh, I'm sure people
1: have online. I guarantee it. Oh yeah. Okay, so Participant fully understands that McKamey Manor is not a fight club and will refrain at all times from fighting with the actors. This one, Participant was warned numerous times about the intensity of McKamey Manor by the owners and other members of the crew and that you, in all caps, really don't want to do this. So they continuously tell you you don't want to do this over and over and over before you do it.
2: Well, I understand. Yeah, that makes sense because then it then it does feel like it is the person's like all the liability is kind of off of them because they've been given moment after moment after moment and warnings and so many opportunities to back out. So how many how many times do you offer someone to back out before the law would be like, well. you made up your mind 20 times in a row. So the one time you said no was after 20 times of saying yes. It's a, it's a confusing thing when it comes to
1: consent with something like this. And also if you've already signed this, there's like no way out. And I'm going to get to that in a second. It's okay. Hmm. Participant agrees and understands that your life in reality is not in danger. And this is just a game. Participant agrees and understands that during the tour and during the time the participant is in the van, they will not be secured by a seatbelt or other safety device. Participant understands and agrees that they realize they are not being tortured. This is just a game. Participant understands and agrees that they are not being beat up, kicked, slugged, or actually physically harmed. You will be roughed up, but no one is there to hurt you. Knowing that McMamie Manor is very rough and not for the meek participant will have bumps, bruises, possible black eyes, swelling of the face, etc. Which is so gaslighty and contradictory. It's like you agree you're not being beat up, kicked, or slugged, but you will get hurt. Mm. It's like so contradictory because literally it says later like you agree to a, like that the performers and employees can do these things to you. If you get taken to the barber, you are agreeing that you may not... They may shave your hair and your eyebrows off. You, if you go to the dentist, which is a part of this house, you agree that they might pull a tooth without any sedative or numbing agents to help. Yeah, how is that not you being physically harmed? Participant understands and agrees that in reality, they were never threatened for real inside of the manner and that in reality they are not threatened after the tour is over. They agree that this is a live theatrical show, not reality. It is being performed specifically for the participants and other guests. They agree that the characters they come into contact with the tour are just actors there to provide a performance for, for the participant, not actual reality. Then, participant realizes that by signing this waiver that they are giving the manner permission to keep nothing off the table except sexual or inappropriate situations. Everything else imaginable can and will happen inside of McKamey Manor. You are aware of this and are giving full permission for any action that may happen inside of McKamey Manor. Any action. Okay.
2: I'm curious, like how dark could it get? Because they're like, okay, well, we won't, we won't kick you, but could they like take pliers and
1: snip your earlobe open? Oh, people's nails have been pulled off. Oh God. These are a couple of things that are said in the contract that could happen. Participant could be buried alive under 12 feet of dirt and rock. They agree to participate in a height stunt that involves walking a plank 25 feet above ground without a safety net. They acknowledge and agree to be submerged in 60 feet of open water. Participant agrees that if selected, they will come in contact with a variety of live poisonous animals. And it is the participant's responsibility not to panic or to agitate the animals. If bitten, it is because the participant made a sudden movement within a confined, secured environment. Another, this sentence, MK Ultra mind control may be used. I feel sick to my stomach hearing all of this. Yeah. They may come in contact with raw sewage. The warning on the website says, Warning and haunt rules. You will experience the following at McKamey Manor. Intense audio, lighting, extreme low visibility, strobe and fog effects, damp and wet conditions, physically demanding environment, close contact with creatures. You might be touched. Very real and graphic scenes of horror. Not recommended if you are pregnant, claustrophobic, have seizures, heart or respiratory conditions, or a big wimp. Enter at your own risk. There is, and this is an accusation that has not been confirmed. There have been um, accusations that McCamie Manor did sexually assault participants. Um, it's, I mean, I'm not surprised. Like, I, I would not be surprised. I, I believe that they do everything terrible in this. And I'm about to read some quotes from people who work there that is so questionable. Yeah, who works there? Who are these actors? Quote unquote actors. Yeah, we'll get to that. There's also a part of this old waiver that has a sentence about um, a safe word, but it says something like, should they choose to be weak and use it, they may use it. But then throughout all the videos I was watching and a lot of the texts and interviews and things that I was reading, I don't think a safe word is even allowed because in a contradictory statement, no one has ever completed the tour. It's like this weird thing of saying you can use a safe word, but you actually can't use a safe word. They only take you out when they decide to take you out. And therefore no one's completed the tour. But if no one's allowed to use a safe word, then didn't they all complete the tour? Right. There is one tour option called desolation in which the participant endures a 10 hour experience. If they can complete it, Russ has promised to give $20,000 to anyone who can complete it. But the only problem is that because there's no safe word that actually works, Technically, everyone has completed it, but Russ gets to determine what is a completion and no one's ever completed it because Russ and his team decides when a participant has had enough.
2: Okay. I think Russ owes every single person who has ever gone through the house $20,000. That's what I'm hearing.
1: Well, and then that's the, some of the debate is like, people are like, he doesn't have $20,000. Of course, like promising $20,000 to someone when you get to decide that no one ever finishes it is going to sound great. There's one guy who was a career Marine, also named Russell. You can watch his video. He almost completed desolation. And there's a lot of controversy with this because he was polled by Russ McCamey and the manor team. And so people are like, well, that's not fair because in the video, Russell, the man who nearly completed it, he's like in a one of those freezers that has like a sliding glass door, like the top slides. And he's laying in this freezer that's filled with water. And he's very clearly like freezing. He's shaking, but he's kind of coherent. They, they give him a blanket and, he's, and they're about to take him out. And he's like, absolutely not. I'm like, I'm good. He sounds coherent. He's like, I'm not giving up. I'm still going. But then Russ and the team determined him to be hypothermic. Therefore, he didn't complete the tour. So they pulled him. So he did not get...
2: Could it not be considered negligence, negligent of, or here, here's the lawyer part of me trying (laughs) to come in with zero knowledge of law. Part of me is like, okay, they talk a lot about negligence, but isn't it negligent on their part to only consider a task to be completed if the person is close to or does die? Because it sounds like you'll never succeed in this water thing without getting to the point, getting past hypothermia. But if you're hypothermic, they'll take you out. And then it also feels like false advertising if they're like basically encouraging people to make it all the way through with a promise of a reward at the end, but then never allowing anyone to get to the end, what they consider the end. Yeah. And also
1: if these haunted houses experiences are curated specifically to each person, how is there de- a determined end for any of them? Like there's no clear, this is the end. If you get to this point, you've finished it. You know, like there's no way of knowing how, how to get through it. Anyway, people leave these tours bald, without eyebrows, with bruises, cuts. Those are just the physical outcomes. There's a lot of mental tolls that are taken too, but I guess it also takes a certain person to willingly submit themselves to the experience. Yeah, Russ McKamey himself, has said he would never do it. Then why create this? Who's making you do this? Because he probably enjoys watching people be hurt. Go to therapy. (laughs) Many of the employees, and this is where we're going to get into the who's working here. Many of the employees who he has hired have actually gone through the tour themselves, which I do appreciate because at least they know what it's like. But at the same time, I really have such a desire to understand the psyches of these people because. It's like, are they all just getting off on this?
2: I literally just Googled McCammy Manor to do Google image just to see like what the house would look like. And every single image has the like parental, like sensitive image that you have to click
1: on, which is, so, yeah, my safe search is, that be blurrin'. That'd be blurring. One performer, Andrew Sweeney. Oh, this is, these like give me the ick. Andrew Sweeney said, I'm not going to lie. I go hard on the big guys. I've got three kids, a lady and six dogs at home. I've got a lot going on in my life. This is a great de-stressor. Ryan Lawrence, who is the enforcer of the manor said, I'm here to make sure no one makes it out. I get carried away. I don't really have a line. What the fuck? No, I literally just said the other day
2: that I'm going to stop swearing, but I can't because this is so incredibly <laughs> disturbing. And I'm like, okay,
1: it's one thing if yeah. you're saying that you because- also can't curse. You are not allowed to curse in this house. Can you believe it's part of the contract? You can't curse. You can't cuss at people. What happens? Do you get taken out? I don't know. No, because there's no safe word. I'll words. use that as my safe word. will it, be like,
2: F you, F this. There's no out. It's just like, are these actors saying this because this is part of being within the brand's image of like, this is so horrifying. You have no idea who is even in here and what you all subject yourself to. There's no promises. Or are these people, I mean,
1: I... (sighs) Here's what I relate it to. We all all here have seen Tiger King for the most part, or you know who Carol Baskin is. She is this bright, sunny lady, hippie looking, long hair, colorful clothes. And then, you know what, behind the scenes, and this is an allegation that has not been confirmed, she very possibly fed her husband to the frickin' tigers. Yeah, but new news, he's been located.
2: Oh. Apparently. I saw that the other day. Her husband has been found. He was
1: living abroad somewhere, and I guess... Oh. She didn't kill him. Okay. Well, it it is one of those things where like in some of the videos of interviews with Russ, you see him with his dogs and his family and like the kids are throwing toys. And then it cuts to this just so opposing visual of him yelling and torturing, torturing in quotes, because legally, I guess it's not torture. If the contracts are signed to like saying it's not torture. I mean, it's just such a weird actual What's the word? Disposition? Dexposition? Juxtaposition? (laughs) juxtaposition it's just such a weird juxtaposition yeah and also i mean
2: i don't want to be sued by comparing this guy to potentially a serial killer but it is it is giving me don't uh, worry internally i have done so yeah i mean there are so many cases of people where it's just like that person had a family i can't believe they did that well here's a guy who may we don't know him so we can't say but based on what i'm hearing It sounds like this guy found an outlet to be able to do something that scratches the same type of itch that some other people have Yeah, that does cross the line over to murder while maintaining the
1: family image and life as a a parent and a spouse. Which makes me have really questionable feelings and thoughts because... If the alternative is him being a secret serial killer or anyone who has the, that affliction, if if the two options are kill people or find a way to above board, scratch that itch, where people who want to experience these things come and do it. Like it is weird. It is above board. It's Squid Game. It is a little bit like Squid Game.
2: And you make this money, but no one gets to the end. It's just the difference here is we're being told that the people who don't get to the end are released versus in Squid Games,
1: they are murdered. And I do want to clarify, like, we're both making a lot of assumptions about these people that we don't know. And it, it's very, you know, I don't understand the psyche of it. We're not psychologists.
2: Based on their own marketing... Yeah, it, it is
1: questionable.
2: We're analyzing the image the brand image they've created for themselves.
1: Yes. Correct. We're making our own assumptions, which we are allowed to do. They put these videos on the public for people to watch. Um, and you can also watch them on YouTube. They edit them. There is a woman, Laura Hertz Brotherton th- Brotherton, who went through McCamey's San Diego haunted house who claims that her experience sent her to the hospital. She arrived covered in bruises with scratches inside her mouth from actors fish-hooking her cheeks. She says actors blindfolded her with duct tape, submerged, submerged her by her ankles in water, and buried her alive with only a straw to breathe through. Other participants have been described being forced to eat their own vomit, having their faces shoved in rancid water, being locked in coffins with insects and spiders. It's a lot of torture. Hundreds and thousands of people, especially neighbors of the manor, have signed petitions to shut the manor down. But the contract is considered valid because there's mutual ass- consent and agreement between both parties involved. They've been sued countless time, but Russ has said the following. Russ claims that his haunted house is all smoke and mirrors. Mere suggestion is often enough to scare people and sometimes convince them that something happened when it didn't. He said it's a mental game. It's really me against them. When I use hypnosis, I can put you in a kiddie pool with a couple inches of water, but tell you there's a great white shark in there and you're going to think it's in there. So when you have that kind of power over people and have them do and see things that you want them to see, then they leave here thinking it really happened. They can go to the authorities and say, this happened. And I get to come back and show the footage and say, no, 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 it didn't go that way at all. So he's using hypnosis, like if he's, which is interesting, right? Because if you blindfold someone, put them in a pool and make them and tell them there's a shark there, they can't see. You could, you could put a toy in there and say it's a shark, you know? Right. They have no way of knowing otherwise. Like literally like a rubber cleaning glove, just like gently go against the side of someone's leg and it would totally feel like a shark. But he said that this has saved him thousands of times, a thousand times. Meaning that countless times, people after going through the house will go to the authorities and he will then show the video, the footage of the actual experience, proving that what the person believes that they went through is actually not what they went through.
2: So did they move to Tennessee? Because I I swear they were in like San Diego or something before.
1: They were. It was San Diego and they moved to Nashville, Tennessee. And they have, there was one in Vegas. So basically the manor... Has been a nonprofit business. They donate to various rescue societies. Russ was funding the manners with his own savings, but he was laid off from his advocacy career and has created a GoFundMe. But he acknowledges that he will always be in the red and he's okay with that because it is his passion. Outside of props, equipment, and other basic elements of a haunt, McKamee was shelling out $250 to $275 a night for an on-site EMT and somewhere between 15000 to 20000 per year on specialty insurance. He estimates it costs him about $500 plus per haunt. And he said, I'm going to end with a couple of Russ phrases. I'm not going to open it to the masses. I like keeping it a secret. I like the mystery of the manor. If you saw everything, it'd be like any other haunted house. This is my goal. Even when I'm dead and gone, to make sure people are still talking about McKamey Manor. That's why nobody's really ever going to see behind the wall. So to conclude, I do not recommend watching the videos nor participating in something like this. I have a lot of concerns about this manner. I have a lot of concerns about the psychology of these people and the psyche and the well-being of the people who have gone through it. It does feel a little bit like Russ found a way to legally torture people. I am curious what kind of training these employees have to go through How do they protect people? What kinds of protections are there? Are these guys people who just like to be violent, like that sounds like in their quotes? There's 100%, and I could say this with certainty, a level of masochism here. It's violent. There are a plethora of concerns, psychological, mental, emotional. Ultimately, people are still agreeing to submit themselves to the experience, and some have gone back for multiple tours. I don't know that it means it's okay, but apparently it's legal. I am curious what everyone thinks, but I personally am going to stick to uh, my uh, PG 13 Haunted Mansion ride, Horror Nights, and I will never endure anything like McCamey Manor, whether it's, yeah, nor will I. Okay. I wasn't, I did write, I'm so sorry, Corinne. I know how badly you wanted to go, but I'm not going with you. That was my last (laughs) sentence.
2: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Don't put that into the universe. No,
1: no, no. I know you're never going to go. No, never, never, never. I mean, this. yeah,
2: I, I have heard of this place so many times because it is pretty infamous. And there, like you said, there was a big petition for people to get this thing shut down. And it's just really disturbing. And it's like a shocking thing It feels like when you hear a conspiracy theory about something that you're like, there's no way in hell that's a thing. And then it comes out to be true years later and you're horrified. This feels like it shouldn't be true. And then it's kind of, you don't get like the years between first hearing a conspiracy theory and then finding out that what you heard is true. It's like the band-aid is ripped so quickly where it's like, there's a house where people can be legally tortured. And you're like, no freaking way. And then- I mean, there it is. It's been in Here operation
1: for twenty years. Twenty years. Yeah, so disturbing. And and the, the wild thing is that this is not the only one that exists. Like there are other ones that I mean, I, I would say that this is probably the most extreme of the types, but you can look up a whole list of extreme haunted houses and they exist like all over the world. People fly from different countries to come experience McCayman Manor. I'm so curious.
2: Well, that's not the right word because I'm not curious enough to look it up. I I just am pondering right now. There's since this thing has been around for 20 years. Think about how different the world was back in the early 2000s and how much has changed with how we view mental health and the care of people and legally what is what is okay or not. I wonder how different and how much more extreme the house may have been back then? Or has it generally just always been the same? Like, I'm almost thinking like they probably could have gotten away with a lot more, but that was also the early days. So like, have they gotten increasingly more extreme because it's been developed year after year after year? Or was it kind of
1: like running buck wild? Well, Russ also like, Builds his own torture devices. And in one of the articles, he was like, I could probably make a career out of selling these, but I like to have them and keep them for myself, which is also really weird. Like, I feel like in 20 years from now, there is going to be a weird, weird, like, excavation of his homes. And we're going to find some strange things.
2: Yeah. Well, um, it's strange to be like, I just want to keep them for myself. But at the same time, I'm like, good, don't sell them because this has this house has so much buzz about it that there probably are a lot more people who would be exposed to those devices and choose to purchase them versus people who are just looking for those things on their own. I don't like the idea that these items would be readily available, which they probably are in multiple places.
1: But- I just feel like one less dealer is great. Yeah. And I I do want to say, like, from a non judgmental, really removing myself from myself place, if this is something you're into, like, that's your thing. And I'm not going to judge you for that. Like, you know, like, if you're into like going and submitting yourself to such extremes to like test yourself, I mean, there are people. Okay, I actually just read this book. Here's the thing. Just join the Navy SEALs, okay? Don't do, don't do this. <laughs> yeah, but there's also like, I don't know. I, I just like from, okay, there's a book that I just read called The House on, or The Last House on Needless Street by Carolina Ward, I think it is. Oh, I've heard of that one. It was a really, really, really fascinating book. It took so long to get into, but it was one of the most unique books I've read. I don't want to give away too much, but it's very much about like trauma and like what happens to you when you experience trauma. And as someone who's been through my own traumatic experiences, like I understand the like psychological, I guess like repercussions that would occur. And there is like this desire to push yourself in different ways or to like you deal with things in different ways than someone who maybe hasn't experienced trauma, and then, in this specific book, the guy has does not feel pain like you know the the, the condition where you could put your hand on a um stove and not even feel the heat yeah you know' those, like or like break a bone and not know or um there are people who have that, and I think it's very, very rare, but I wonder if you have that. I would understand why you would put yourself through something to hopefully feel. Yeah, which makes me
2: sad because there's a lot more, there's so many more layers into that than just being like, this interests me, let me feel. Why can't we all just have a cuddle sesh?
1: Well, but then there then, are people then who like, fetishes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's, there's like the tickle fetish. Everything. I mean, there's exactly like, what is that? That a uh, documentary tickled is one tickled. of the strangest things I've experienced. And that borders <laughs> on torture as well, like in a very different way.
2: Oh my gosh. Wow. Woo.
1: So if you've been, let us know, because I'm so curious to talk to you.
2: So curious. And here's the thing. I... I don't know if anyone went, but I would bet money right now that none of our listeners at this current point in time have been because I did look up extreme haunted houses and I did look up this manor in our inbox. And I'm proud to say (laughs) I'm happy to (laughs) report. We don't have any listeners who have been traumatized by this house, at least who have emailed us about their experience. Great. So I decided that we probably would need I don't even know. If, I'm calling it a palate cleanser. This okay. if it stood alone in another episode, I think would be quite spooky, but I feel like, oh, I just want to okay. a quick, a quick return back to like, what is a haunted a good ghost house story? to us? Yeah. Let's, let's okay. do a ghost, a haunted house a classic and a ghost house. story. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get off the torture and straight to spirits, uh, haunting. I love so it. That's what we have. Great. This is from Maddie. Hello, gorgeous ghostesses and happy spooky season. Oh boy, do I have a haunted house story for you. Okay. So my fiance lived in a house growing up that was full of spooky experiences. One night, his mom, Leah, had put him and his two brothers to bed and was on the main floor playing a board game with her best friend. The bedrooms were upstairs and the living room kitchen were on the main floor. And then there was a playroom full of toys in the basement. While Taylor's mom was in the living room with her friend, they heard one of the toys going off. Leah decided to go upstairs first and check on Taylor and his brothers to make sure that they weren't staying up late, but when she went upstairs, everyone was fast asleep. Leah then went down to the basement, and everything looked normal. All the toys were pushed up against the wall like usual, and nobody was downstairs. Brushing it off, Leah went back upstairs to continue her game with her friend, but five minutes later, they heard the same toy going off. Knowing that all of the kids were in bed, this time they both went down to the basement to see what was going on. When they entered the playroom, they saw one of those toy phones with the big googly eyes, which are just creepy in general, and the phone was freaking on and ringing, and the Google eyes were rolling around like crazy. But the thing about this story that gives me the chills every time that I hear it is that all of the other toys, which were up against the wall not five minutes earlier, We're in a freaking circle around the toy phone.
1: No, that was what I was afraid of. Why are the toys having a seance? Uh, Who are they trying to call? Who are they calling? (laughs) This is their Ouija
2: board. They're like, this kid doesn't have a Ouija board, so let's just use the phone to connect to the other side. (laughs) After this experience, Leah decided to do some research on the house and learned that a man and his son had been on the roof fixing something when a lightning strike killed them both.
1: Oh, so maybe the two of them are playing. Maybe.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's a nice thought. Part of me immediately went to like the lightning bolt just kind of made this kind of a hot spot for energy. And maybe oh, there's just that. like a lot of spirits around, but I like the idea that they're they're playing maybe. Okay. Maddie says, my fiance's mom had a ton of other stories about this house, but this one always gave me the creeps. Love you both
1: and keep spooking, Maddie. It's super spooky with the context of the father and the son, which is so heartbreaking. It does make it a little less scary for me. And I'm, I am curious what else has happened in that house because clearly a lot. And it's almost like to put together a Hmm. study of these spirits, like to know what else has happened to try to figure out who it is. Is it something like you said, where the lightning bolt struck energy and opened a portal of some kind, or is it just father and son ghosting around? Or is it nothing to do with the father and son or the lightning at all? And there is
2: one or two haunted toys in there, and they're just trying to make contact and awaken the other toys through a seance. Toy Story.
1: <laughs> I love wow. that. I don't know why the toys in Toy Story don't have seances. They should. We should make another a fourth <laughs> Toy Story just so that, the, so that we could see the toys have a seance. <laughs>
2: the Halloween um, rendition. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Wow. I don't know why this reminded me of it, but the way that you were saying like all the toys coming together to seance and awaken something. I was in Joshua Tree recently and I found this place. I ended up writing it down. Let me see. I have it in our tracker because it's a very short story. So I don't think I'm going to end up actually doing research on it, but it made me want to do research on things similar because, okay, so there's a place. Called The Integration. It's in Joshua Tree. And apparently this guy received communications from intergalactic or alien type of species on what to build, where to build it, and how to build it for their purposes. And then it made me think of we... There was one there's one specific like communication device that is used during paranormal investigations that there's like only a couple of them that exist in the world, and it was created by a guy who very similarly was told by another species or an alien being to create it for communication purposes. Um, so anyway, it got me thinking about other types of stories that fall in that category. So if anyone knows of any, let us know. yeah. That, that,
2: that would be a really interesting episode. And also just thinking about, you know, how we do like haunted objects, haunted paintings. It is interesting to think about tools for ghost hunting that were created essentially by aliens or the other side or ghosts.
1: And I can't remember, we covered Ouija boards like way back in the day, like the origin of Ouija boards, but I'm pretty sure Ouija boards were an invention, like inspired by a ghost, like a ghost communicated to build it.
2: Guys, the veil's getting thinner. They're getting stronger. Who knows? Maybe there will be an EVP in this episode. Probably. I feel like we haven't had an EVP in in like seven
1: weeks. We're about due. (laughs) (laughs) Time is ticking, Ghost. Where have you been? Time is ticking. Well, we didn't have EVPs, but recently when you and I recorded, I think it was 192, it was your birthday encounters. I had so many paranormal things happening around me because the ghosts were warning me that a a building next door was on fire.
2: Yep, they were trying to escort you out of out of the building, but you were just
1: too zeroed in on getting the ghost stories out, telling your stories. Don't (laughs) interrupt me.
2: They're like, man, this girl does not catch on. Like, what kind of sign do we need to give her?
1: This Barbie's job ignores ghosts. Oh, my gosh. Uh,
2: it feels good to laugh after hearing <laughs> <you're involved laughs> all those details. I mean, very fascinating. Yeah. I think a lot of people have probably heard of this house, maybe didn't know the name of it, but probably heard of it. So it's interesting to learn about how they operate and how they're not that we really understand completely legally how they're able to do all of this. But it's fascinating. We hope none of you go.
1: Um, but if you. Yeah did already. If you do, let us know what happened. I will say, okay, to end this on like maybe a little bit of a less terrifying haunted house experience on our Patreon, I asked people what the scariest haunted house they had ever been to was. And I can read the responses for people. Six Flags in Texas, Arlington, in Arlington, Texas. I was like 15, but pretty scary. This is from Hannah. They have like five mazes you go through. And I remember pretty much all of them being absolutely terrifying. Haley said that she loves the haunted house attractions that are at real haunted places like Eastern State Penitentiary, Penhurst Asylum. They're extra scary because of the haunted historical aspect. Jody went to Zach Bagans Haunted Museum and had an experience in the Jack Kevorkian room, which I, that's funny because it's not even a haunted house, it's a museum, but it is terrifying. There was one Kristen said in her hometown that had it all. Clowns, zombies, Jason, Freddy, vampires. They followed you and whispered in your ear, but never touched you. Sarah lives in Orlando and loves haunted horror nights. Crystal Crystal said, I live in a haunted house. <laughs> That's funny. Wow. Incredible. And then Nicole also said, I went to Zach Bagans Honda Museum in Vegas and heard my husband's name come through the spirit box when we we're the only two down in the basement. Also, the house I grew up in was also very haunted. So... A lot of you have your own haunted houses that you don't need to go and enter and put yourself in. I still want to
2: create my own haunted house and haunted maze, like an attraction for trick-or-treaters. Like I want that house to do in my garage or whatever. But the amount that Have you would, not heard my Yeah. Every I want this. This is my dream. I've been saying it for years. Yeah. Well, there was a in my neighborhood I've told you about this. In my neighborhood there was one that they did every single year, but I've never seen it done. They like stopped doing it when I was at the end of High school. And I'm wondering if it's very difficult to do on your own now because of how Sue so happy people are. And so I feel like legally it would be, you'd kind of have to like give out waivers for people to sign because if you're having them enter your property and if someone even trips and falls in the dark and hurts themselves, like breaks their wrist or whatever, they could see you because they're on your property. And so that's the thing that kind of dissuades me from doing it. But
1: Yeah. Well, I told you about the guy, the family in um, Santa Monica, 16th and and what's the street? Georgiana, Georgiana, Georgiana. They have a, every year they have a massive, like they decorate, they get, they hire actors. They have like a production crew come in and put together this Halloween decor but then this year they had like a little maze you could walk through but no one was jumping out it was just like spooky and like kids were walking through it they gave teddy bears to every child who went to that house um but i feel like the way to do it is if you invite only your friends like you can't have strangers just coming through it it's like a you can't just have this is the way i will do it i'm gonna hire a production crew set designers to Make my entire home like I'm gonna move all the furniture that exists out for the whole month of October, September and October, gone. And I'm gonna live in a haunted house. There's gonna be coffins. You're pulling a Christina Aguilera. This is what she does in her oh, house. Yeah. And it's two full months. Um anytime my friends come now, over, they months. have to go through the haunted maze.
2: <laughs> you started with one <laughs> month now or two. Maybe I did. I, maybe uh, all the way through December
1: into January. Yeah, Who maybe knows? the whole year round. <laughs> But when you enter, you're there, you're greeted by like a vampire with drinks that are smoking because there's um what's the dry ice, and you take your cocktail through the haunted house, and it's just an ex- it's the whole experience. You know, what would be really interesting too, is if you did it a different theme every year,
2: and it feels like you're time traveling. Like I'm almost thinking of creating it so that people enter. A not just like any made up horror world, but like a specific movie. So like one year it could be Tower of Terror, and it like literally feels like you're going to the gala, you're going to the party, and at some point in the middle of the party at like ten forty five, all the lights go out and there's like a big rumble, like where you feel like you're basically dropping on the elevator, and everyone quote unquote dies and then the second half of your party is basically what you experience in the afterlife and there's a lot of like confusing plot lines and things that come into your party and
1: this this deserves to be on the scroll trend two girls one ghost presents a halloween experience unlike any other this is when we're millionaires and we, (laughs) we personally know set designers and we will host a this is the thing is we also on top of that It's themed different every year, but you show up in like regular clothing, your clothing. But before you, like when you RSVP, you send us like your sizing, you give us like everything about you and we hire costume designers. And in a certain part of the house, like as you're going through the maze, you are given these, an outfit change. And when you change into your outfit, you step into the new time. (gasps) Wait, okay. Have you ever been
2: into a Reformation store? Because (laughs) I'm kind of picturing their- (laughs) This is a strange transition. So when you go into their dressing rooms, it's a totally different experience from what you normally have for a dressing room. So you like go in, there's different lighting options that you have. And then the back of the wall basically opens up. I mean, you don't open it, but like they do ahead of time and like turn a clothing rack in.
1: Have you seen these? Are they only in the Boston one? No, I've never been into the dressing room. So maybe that's why.
2: Okay. Yeah. So essentially the dressing room, they bring you there. The back of the wall is a clothing rack, but it turns. It's like 360. So they go back and pull your sizes and put them on the rack and like turn it around. Then you enter the room. There's a bunch of different, there's like a iPad on the wall. There's a bunch of different lighting session, uh settings that you can choose, like a glamour, like a moody, all that sort of Wait, things. You can whoa. request new sizes, everything right there from this kind of like smart dressing what room. What a
1: shopping experience. It is. So I'm, I'm picturing it's something like It's like one of those like games, this. dress up games.
2: Yeah. Like I I see it where it's like almost like a Hannah Montana closet too, where it's like, you enter yes. the room, you get into the dressing room And there's a voiceover, kind of like in the haunted mansion when they're like, drag your wretched body into the dead center of the room. But it basically is like, you are about to go back in time. This is a time machine. The door is locked. There's nothing you can do but fit in. We're doing this. Get on your costume and enter at your own risk.
1: Seth? I'm just going (laughs) to... Manager Seth? We have a Just wild idea. Send him this time code. Be like, <laughs> Seth, make this happen, please. Where do we find T, the money? T-M-T-M. Where does it grow? empty. T-M-T-M. trademarks, two baby girls. One haunted experience coming in twenty thirty six to a house near you. <laughs> I was like, I think we could do it in like two and a half years. <laughs> oh, okay, great. Let's do it. Yeah. 2025 to 2026
2: this thing is going to be a thing um if anyone else starts it before us we will sue you okay yes we will
1: because we're sue happy because we're sue happy now (laughs) by listening to this you agreed to be tortured
2: Uh, well i didn't i don't know why i like looked around to like knock on wood as if that knocking on wood right now will save me from whatever is happening (laughs)
1: I don't know what's happening there's a little bit of like chaos loss of minds here there but I do is have an adorable little kitty sleeping in my hands and I highly recommend enjoy the rest of your time with soot I know she's gonna be adopted by the time this comes out I hope I know
2: all right. Well, thank you guys all for listening. If you have a ghost story, a weird story, something paranormal that you can't quite explain, or a heartwarming visitation from your loved one, please email us at podcast at gmail.com. You can support us in a variety of ways. One of them being coming to our live show, 32 different cities more than 32 shows because we're playing two shows at certain certain cities. So check out the link in our show notes or visit our website, twogirlsoneghost.com to buy tickets. We're going all over the US and we're even making one stop in Canada.
1: Woo, ketchup chips. Can't wait. We would already have con- gone to Canada actually after this. So I'm drowning in ketchup chips, I believe. We love you all. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Thank you to our team to Christina for editing, to Seth, our manager, to Avery and Loren, who help us with all the business stuff and social media. We are so grateful and honestly could not do it without our team and without all of you. So thank you. We love you. And we will see See you on the other other
0: side. side.